Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Beyond 1894. Hope you're in air conditioning. God bless the guy who invented air conditioning. Uh, Hope you're listening to this in a cool place. We're talking to a cool guy today. This is Teddy Allen. I will be your host, but our guest is Talvin Hester, the coach of the Dunkin' Dogs. Talvin just came over to Wiley Tower from practice. Coach, thanks for making time for everybody today. I appreciate you guys. We are glad you have come back to Tech. What was it about Tech that, of course, you were an assistant here a few years ago. Now you are the head guy. What drew you back to Ruston and to Bulldog Country? Ultimately, the people and the tradition. Um, The people were great here when I lived here the first time. It was unbelievable the way they treated me and welcomed me. Um, And then the tradition of winning. Like, as a coach, that's, that's the goal was to win basketball games. And uh, I was blessed to be here with Eric Conkle, and he, he uh, uh, brought me here, and we, we did a lot of damage and won a lot of games. Uh, kind of left off on a pretty good note with the NIT. Um, and when you kind of have that taste in your mouth from a place and you get an opportunity to come back and be a head coach, you remember all the good. So um, I was really excited when I got the phone call to come back, and I just want to live up to the expectations of the place of the university and kind of continue on what guys like Mike White and Eric Kunkel have done before me. Been a lot of good basketball here this past decade. We're looking forward to some more this winter time. Before we talk about your team, when did you fall in love with basketball? You know what? Actually, I started playing baseball first mm-hmm. and, and football. My uncle was the 14th pick in the first round of the NFL draft. And so I grew up this diehard Ohio State fan watching football with my grandfather every Sunday. Uh, and then I was on the baseball field one day, and one of my my teammates was like, I, I, you might be better than me at baseball, but I'm better than you at basketball. Okay. And I told him, you're not better than me at anything. <laughs> and so I went to play for his dad's YMCA team, and he was way better than me at basketball. <laughs> but by the end of the summer, I was so motivated to compete and be mm. better I went to camp and I just started working on my own and working and working and working. Um, and, and I know it's very insignificant now, but uh, we went back to school and I, I started on the 18. And I was like, man, man, maybe good at this. But I was the little guy holding the ball in the pitcher. I was about 5'8". Mm-hmm. Uh, and about my junior year, I hit a growth spurt. I went from 5'8 to 6'2". Uh, and that's when I guess I started realizing that I wanted to do this full time. I started looking like those guys, and um, I just fell in love with it. And in high school, I just I, I just was addicted to it. Didn't know I'd be a coach. Um, kind of got into coaching because I wanted to help young men. Um, because when I got out of school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I had no clue. You know, I think the world tells you uh, go to college, major in something that makes money, but they don't tell you do something you enjoy. Because they think that money is the most important thing. Um, but I got out and I was like, well, what do I do? I want to make money, but what do I do? And then I I, um, I said, well, if I'm having this issue, I know a lot of young guys are. Um, and so I just wanted to give back. And I was so small-term thinking then. I thought I just wanted to help guys from where I was from. Because I felt like if somebody would have gave me that advice, uh, it would have pushed me forward. Um, and then you start helping guys where you're from. And then it turns into, this is not enough. You got the urge to help more. And then when I got into college coaching, um, it was because as an AAU coach, um, I would call coaches and I, I would recommend good kids that could play and they wouldn't listen. 
You know, I, he'd be like, I don't know, I don't know. So I was like, maybe it's easier if I go on the other side. <laughs> and then I don't have to take their recommendation. I can just go get the kids myself. And I did it, and I just got joy from um, not only helping them, helping them further lives, but seeing the process of them going from young men uh, to adults. Um, and that's the beauty of coaching is you get to impact lives at a, at a level that you probably couldn't on your own um, every day. So that's how I got into it. Uh, one of my pastors has told me probably you, he, he could have more influence maybe being a coach. That's why he always tries to get close to coaches than being a pastor with your congregation. You've got a new congregation sort of every year. Uh, before I forget, who was your uncle? Because people are going to be wondering who was Rufus Mays. Played Ohio State under Woody Hayes. Mm. Got drafted by the Chicago Bears. Old school. You lived in Ohio for a while, where you, but you you got down to Texas as quick as you could when you were about four. I was about four and years so old. Yeah. You were raised in Arlington. Mm-hmm. How many times have you been to Six Flags? It was our daycare. <laughs> that was daycare <laughs> when you were young. You get a season pass. You know, this is before it was scary to drop your kids off. This is when the community raised your kids. Yep. And if you did something wrong, another adult would call your mom, and your mom would say thank you. Um, but we would get a season pass. And in the morning, your mom would drop you off on the way to work, um, and she'd give you maybe a little money or a cooler to get a locker and put some sandwich meat in it, and you would stay there all day till she got off work. And sometimes you'd beg her, could you stay longer? Um, so you'd stay. So I've been to Six Flags, if I had to guess, um, 5,000 times. Yeah, I was going to say just within 40 times, tell me how many. Oh, <laughs> but I would have never guessed 5,000. And it was my first job. <laughs> what, what, what did they put you to work doing? I was at Chubby's, the restaurant. It was an old-time 50s diner, mm. uh, and I was in the yeah. back. I had never cooked a day of my life other than eggs, but they had me on burgers and fries. I felt for the people. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your top two or three rides? Um, well, back then, when I used to go all the time, of course, the Texas Giant, the Shockwave. The Shockwave was one that had two loops that you would go upside down, and the Texas Giant was very new. Yeah. Um, so it was like the new wave to get on this roller coaster that looked like it was up in the clouds. Was, so those are my favorite two at the time. Was Judge Roy Scream before? Judge Roy Scream was there. But yeah. it was like the baby to the Texas Giants. That's what I thought. And it was like the baby. It was it was like the one that, you know, you could take your little sister on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, she wouldn't be scared. It wasn't a double loop deal. I'm kind of a Spelunker's Cave guy. If you get real hot, you go in the little cave. Yeah. Or the uh, the Lost Mine Train. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Like 40 times consecutively <laughs> when my son was like six. <laughs> the guy just eventually said, just don't get off. Just keep yeah. – just don't get out anymore. Just the keep log going. ride used to be great too. It would be a way to get wet. Cool you down. It'd be, the log was okay, but it was like when you got to stand on the bridge for the next ride. Log That's right. Come around. That's when you really you got – You get wet, yeah. This is a veteran Six Flags guy <laughs> talking, so listen to what he says. Um Anyway, it's a great piece of entertainment. I, I thought it was Hollywood coming from South Carolina when I went there. I'd never seen anything like it. It was like Disney World. Who on our team has the best social media skills? Oh, it, it depends. If you're talking about serious and just kind of promoting who he is as a person, mm-hmm. um, I'd say possibly Isaiah Crawford. He's a very quiet guy, but he's always posting basketball, posting something about who he is. You can tell he loves the game by looking at social media. Um, but if you want a laugh, um, if you want somebody to smile at and laugh at, Kenny Hunter's a pretty funny guy. 
Uh, he's always trying to show how savvy he is, how he dresses, how cool he is. Uh, he's a guy I laugh at. So uh, it just depends on what you want and what your taste is. Kenny, a Shreveport guy, if y'all want to keep up with these fellas, go to LaTexSports.com. Click on the roster. If you go down the roster, you'll see the little Instagram bumps, and you'll see their Twitter handles. Uh, they're entertaining gang. You mentioned Isaiah, who everybody's rooting for because of the tough time he's had with the injury. So update us on how he's feeling. He's feeling great. You know, it's funny. He's he's back working out. We, we don't have him in anything live uh, right now, but as far as running and conditioning and doing drills, uh, he's 100% go. Um, and he's been great. I mean, winning sprints and moving just like he moved uh, before the injury. Um, uh, I think with Isaiah, the biggest thing is going to be his confidence coming off. Um, after the first one, I think we saw something special when he came out and was third-team all-conference after the first mm-hmm. year. Um, he's had he's tore, tore his knee twice. Yeah. Sport. So then and you're was, talking about confidence in my leg's going to be okay. My leg's going to be okay, and I can do the things that I'm used to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now off the second one, I would think it would have to be a little harder to have that same confidence. So we'll adjust and we'll talk about some things as far as um, how we use him early in the season when he's first back full go and. Um, just to get him build some confidence in that leg. But I expect Isaiah to be an all-conference guy like he was the year he came back the first time. Just an, a guy that's impossible not to pull for him once you're around him a little bit. All right, you got uh, Keeson Willis is coming back, Isaiah and Kobe Williams. Uh, talk about, if you will, explain that nucleus to us and you know how much you're going to lean on that trio. Lean on them a lot, more more so for leadership off the court. Uh, because off the court when you're preparing uh, for practice is as important as practice. And so I want them to show the young guys and the new guys the right way and what La Tech basketball looks like. Um, And so I want them to lead in that way. And then when we get on the court, I think their talent is shown for itself. I think Kobe's energy and his his ability to affect the game without scoring in different ways on the defensive end. I think Keeson's ability to make shots at a high clip, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. Uh, and I think Isaiah Crawford, I think his talent is is undervalued. Uh, I think uh, people don't remember that when Junior Lofton was here and they were both healthy, they were both third-team all-conference. It's just we lost Isaiah. I think this team was a tournament team last year had Isaiah been healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Uh, but people don't talk about him enough. Um, I think the new task is going to be uh, for Keaston how to get shots now that Junior's not there drawing double teams. Um, and we'll kind of get creative with him and get him open and uh, build his confidence enough to just trust his work uh, that he's put in. He stays in the gym quite a bit uh, and to be able to make shots at a high clip. And then, like I said, I expect Kobe to be Kobe. Um, I want to add some things to his game that I think will help him offensively um, and, and put him in an attacking mode uh, where he can stay on the attack. And then, like I say, I, I, with Isaiah, there's horses you got to teach to run fast and ones you got to teach to run straight. We just got to get him running straight because mm. he's already fast. We just got to put the ball in his hands and hope his confidence is right. Uh, he'll do wonders for us. Well, pray for his knees, everybody. I was heartbroken last year when I found out he had got hurt because, like you, I think it was a tournament team, and that's that's part of the game. So uh, best wishes to him. You mentioned Kenneth Lofton, Jr., of course, Junior's gone now, and God bless him. He's had a really good – I think you went and visited with him in Memphis during the NBA little summer season. The thing about him was he, I felt like I could go out there and kind of play with him because he looked like he belonged on a church league team. <laughs> which I can't do that with Kobe and Keeson and Isaiah. Those guys look like you. Yeah, yeah that was your no basketball. Doubt. So that made it easy to pull for 
him. Well, how do you replace the kind of spark that he had personality besides just his on-the-court um, skills? How's your team going to adjust to that? You know what? I think we have a good bunch. I mean, if you ever spend time with some of our guys, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they have his personality. I think you just notice it more when he's so dominant on the court. Your focus goes to him. You know, um, you, you can't replace people. You just have to find a way to do things different. You know, I don't I don't care how many draft picks the Bulls get. They'll never replace Michael Jordan. Uh, you'll never replace Shaq. You'll never replace Kobe Bryant. You'll never replace guys like that. You know, but you have to find a way to do things different. And I think the best coaches that I've learned from are the ones that adapt uh, because the best coaches lose great players every year. Sure. But they find a way to adapt and use what they have and make other players step up. And so that's what I want to be in my career. Um, have you recruited any of these guys on the roster? Almost all of them. I figured. <laughs> what is a recruiting nightmare story you can tell us? Um. To be honest with this group, none. Okay. I mean, this was a great group. Um, ever, I think the nightmare uh, is coming, and that is the NIL uh-huh. and the portal at the same time. Um, not that either of them are bad. And I'm not saying the portal is bad. And I'm not saying the NIL is bad. But now you give uh, young men a chance to just leave uh, and play immediately when they want to, and, and you give them the option to leave for money. Um, and so, to me, that's the biggest thing that we're going to have to adjust to and learn um, to navigate those waters as we move forward in the, in the land of the NCAA. Um, but as far as recruiting nightmares, to be honest, I, I've always been a guy to been a truth teller in recruiting. I think if you talk to any of their parents, whether it be Isaiah's or Kenneth Lofton's or Kobe's, the guys that I recruited, um, they would tell you I just told the truth. I told them they have to earn everything they get and work. And the ones that don't want to be here and don't want to do that, they don't come. Um, but the ones that are really about getting better and working and learning and, and earning everything they get, I think they they're here. Has your has your car ever broke down, or your air conditioner went out, or the hotel room forgot your, uh, you know, you didn't have a room when you thought you were stuff like that. Not to mention anybody on this roster, but just in your coaching career, there has to be some recruiting trip where a mother fed you a terrible meal oh, or something. You want to talk about those? <laughs> yeah, those happen all the time. I think. Speaking I think, of adjusting, I think, I think it was. Last year, I was coming from Peach Jam uh, when I was at Texas Tech and had my room booked, everything. I'm going to drive back after the last game. Last game didn't end until nine-ish, my last game. So I drive from Augusta to Atlanta. Which is a two-and-a-half hour drive. You think you're supposed to be there and you just can't get there. So around midnight, I, I get to my hotel at the airport. I turn my rental car in, and they're saying, sir, we don't have your room anymore. And I'm at the Atlanta airport hotels, which is not on site, at 12.30 at night with no rental car anymore because I just turned it in. And every hotel around that hotel was booked. Booked. So I was walking to other hotels like, we don't have any rooms. We don't have any rooms. We don't have any rooms. And so I had to find a hotel away from downtown and, and catch an Uber. It took about 30, 40 minutes sure. to come get me. Sure it did. Uh, to get to a room i got there about two in the morning after i checked with every hotel uh i laid down i'd be up at four to catch a 6 a.m flight so those happen more than you think um so but that's part of it that's part of it i think what makes up for it is when i would i'm guessing because i've never recruited as a coach but i'm guessing 
when you walk into like Isaiah Crawford's den and meet his parents or or Willis or who, whoever's mm-hmm. on it, and you immediately know, okay, well, this is why I do this, and you have a feeling things are going to work out. Is that the moment a recruiter kind of lives for? You know what? More so than that, the day they walk out of your university and they get a degree and they become adults and responsible adults and you go from cheering for them as a player to cheering for their kids or cheering for their families. Um, when I, Aaron Smith, who's on my staff, I coached him his freshman year of college and his senior year of college. Mm. Um, and it's so uh, rewarding for me to get to hire him um, as he was a head coach at Panola Junior College and get to see his growth as a person, to be around his family. That That's when you ultimately – uh, find joy in this in this business. We've had some luck here with coaches from Panola years ago when Andy Russo came over from there and, of course, got Carl Malone and Wayne Smith and that crew and, and uh, <laughs> started a new era of Dunkin' Dog basketball. You mentioned growing these men as, uh, as, as student athletes and then at, at some point in their career, nobody's going to ask them to shoot a free throw anymore. they got to go to the bank or, or – get this utility fixed or build a bridge. How do you use these tenets of tech, like confidence and commitment and integrity? How do you weave those? Do you try to weave some of that into your, you know, coaching style and to help build the culture you want? Every single one Mm -hmm. of them. Um, It's 8 o'clock weights in the morning, and I don't let them be quiet. I don't. I don't let them sit in there and just lift weights and turn on music. I don't. I don't allow it. And so we look at enthusiasm, and I want them to be enthused not about themselves, but just working hard for the person next to them. Um, uh, we used to watch a lot of like Navy SEAL videos and just l- listen to them and listen to them talk about why they do what they do and what they think about when they're in the field. And and almost every single one of them, you can watch any video, Google it, whatever, says I'm doing it for the person in front of me and in back of me. Um, none of them are like I'm trying to, you know, protect my country. They're like I'm out here for my brothers. Um, and that's the mentality we kind of want to have here is like we want to work for each other. So enthusiasm, pride, pride for the school, pride for your, the name on the front of the jersey, pride for the name on the back of your jersey, you know, Um we just everything that the tenets of tech embody, we want to embody as a team because that's what success is. And I think you would go around to most successful teams, most successful companies, most successful families, most successful churches, and they embody these same things. Um, you get to wake up and choose how your day is. No matter how it actually goes, you get to wake up and choose your attitude towards it. And so uh, you can determine how. We all have bad days, but I tell them you get to choose how that bad day is. Your car might not start this morning. You can either say, you know what, I'm having an awful day, or you can call somebody, get a ride, say you got some jumper cables, and we'll get this thing fixed and move on. And so those are the things that I want to instill in this team. Um, I want I want to be a reflection of what this university is and stands for with this team. Um, and I think we have the guys that do it. I think you guys have seen it over and over again. And like I say, and I'll repeat it again, I just want to continue the legacy of tech. And I think that's enough to to make these people happy. Uh, do I want to do more? Yes. Uh, but what some people in the past have done here has been remarkable. Well, um, you got some new guys just briefly we can talk about, if you will, how those guys are going to – why you knew they would be a good fit, felt they would be a good fit with the guys you got coming back. Because the ones coming back – the reason that team was so easy to root for last year was you could tell they all had fun being together. They just all got along. Uh, Chemistry is important. Y'all are together all the time. So how's 
how that you feel the new guys will work in? I, I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about all of them, to be really honest with you. Um, I used to hear Kelvin Sampson say when I worked for him, mm-hmm. when I first got my job, he called me again and reminded me. He was like, building culture is, is going to be something you have to fight for. And he was like, here's how you build it. You put the players out there that you're willing to lose with. And I said, lose with? He said, because then you have joy coaching them. He said, when, you don't, when you're not happy coaching kids, then, then you're not going to be happy. And so the guys that we bring in are guys that we are happy to be around as people. Uh, and I think we've always done that. Like I say, I think Eric Conco did that. I think Mike White did that. And it's why when guys come back and they're in the office and they have their kids, Antonio Meeking stepped mm-hmm. in the office yesterday. Okay. Like You can root for those guys because you know what they've been through. You know that they were good people. Um, while they were here, you know that this place still roots for them. They hang their name in a banner. So we just want to continue that. Like I say, we want to we want to be around kids that are willing to work. That we can push them a little bit. Uh, we can make them uncom make them comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, and we know that they're willing to do it because they want to be great. Speaking of great, what does Jamaica bring to the table? And introduce her to everybody. Accountability. <laughs> she holds me accountable. <laughs> How long have you two been She's married? My coach. Um, since 2005, so 17 years. Did y'all uh, meet at Six Flags? No, we actually met in college. <laughs> at Chubby's? <laughs> <laughs> she, actually, she actually is a military brat. Mm. Uh, so her dad's retired Army. Her mom is an alumni from Louisiana Tech who is a native of Ruston, Louisiana. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it's just coincidence. Isn't, Isn't that, that something? It's a small world. And so I, I met her in college at Prairie View A&M University mm-hmm. uh, where we met. But not once did we date in college. We just met. And then once college ended, we stayed friends and we ended up getting together. Um, and so we were long distance for a while. She lived in Austin because she went to high school in Austin, Texas, because her dad retired from Fort Hood and they moved to Austin. Uh, and we just, I worked for Delta Airlines at the time, which allowed me to fly back and forth and her to fly back and forth for free. Um, and we just kind of made it work. And then she eventually moved up to the Metroplex to Arlington. Um, while I was coaching, and it was on. It's easy to root for somebody <laughs> who roots for you when you're at your lowest. No. I wasn't making any money coaching. Um, I can remember a time at Texas College, um, uh, when I was at Texas College, when I had a kind of a hiccup in my pay. Uh, her mom got me a job at, at Gordon's Jewelers. Um, so I wake up in the morning and go to work in the morning at Gordon's Jewelers and make seven dollars an hour, eight dollars an hour. And it still wasn't enough to cover my rent while she stayed in Arlington. So she paid my rent and hers um, uh, while I went through this coaching thing, believing in my dream. And so it's easy to root for people like that. So <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. And between the two of y'all, y'all managed to make Ryan, R-H-Y-A-N. That's it. How old is she? She's 11. She'll be 12. You ask her right now, she'll say 12, but she'll be 12 in October. Bless her heart. Uh, she's so anxious to be 12. She says it's a year away from a teenager. So, oh, Well, it's not all it's cracked out to be. Tell her, being, <laughs> being 11, running around barefoot in summertime, that has its advantages. Who are you telling? Oh, man. Okay, well, we're glad. That th- are they adjusting? Way- I know Jamaica has because she's been down the road with you now this long, but, but you do have to have a special kind of support system at the house when you're a coach. You do. So her parents now retired in Longview. Our dad's from Mansfield, right. Louisiana, so they wanted to be close 
uh, which is right outside of Shreveport. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be close to Louisiana and their family, but they didn't want state tax, so they stayed in Texas. Um, and so she has aunts that live right near Ruston High and uncles that live over near Green Clinic. So um, they've adjusted fine. Um, Beautiful. So they have they have related people they're related to all over the place. All over the place. And I know that they're tickled to death as uh, your in-laws and about this 11-year-old. That oh, you my goodness. They were here yesterday. Were they? <laughs> <laughs> Sure, they'll be hitting you up for tickets. Before we before we uh, wrap this up and be thinking of anything else you might want to say to the Tech fans, but we got a trip to Puerto Rico coming up. This should air uh, while y'all are practicing. Tell us about the trip August 9th through 15th. You get 10 days of practice leading up to that, and why is this, a, you think, going to be a great deal for this bunch? Uh, you know what? You know, when you, when you talk foreign tour, everybody outside of your program and – the world thinks, oh, man, it's a chance to go to the beach and all that. But actually for our team, it's a chance to to get to learn things about your team before November. Um, and I've been on a few of these. I've been to Italy with San Jose State and China with Houston and Costa Rica the last time I was here. Um, and every time we went on one, we learned something about our team that we didn't know that we didn't have to learn um, going into the season. Uh, example. Uh, we had Day-Day Bracey and Amari Archibald, but it's kind of good to have three guys that can play the point on team. You never know if injury happens or, or something happens mm-hmm. to your team. And so we went into the to the last tour at, at Costa Rica thinking we had enough at the point guard position. When we came back, we are like, we probably need another point guard. So then we recruited a kid by the name of Kobe Williams, um, which he didn't come to the following year, but it helped to know a little about our team um going into the future uh when i was at houston we were in china and we recruited this little juco kid um at the last minute and and we thought okay he'll help us and we brought him off the bench in china and he turned out to be uh the leading scorer in the american athletic conference three straight years because when we put him in the game in china he led us in scoring every game and it was just effortless his name was rob gray and Rob's still making money in the EuroLeague thing. I think he won a EuroLeague championship this year. So there's, it's a chance to learn about your team. I, I know when, when the clock starts and they, and they take score, we want to win, definitely. But what I want to do more so is learn uh, about my team while I'm over there. I, I think it does me no good to play Kobe Williams 40 minutes uh, while I'm in there and try to win and beat a U19 team or whatever we're going to play when we're over there. If I don't get to learn what Jordan Crawford can do for me or if I don't get to learn what Drayvon – uh, Mangum can do for me. I need to know what these guys can bring to the table and how they can fit with the players that we talked about earlier on the podcast. So um, it's a way to learn about your team. It's a way for them to learn me also. Things that I'll accept and won't accept. The things I'm fighting for in the culture of this program. Um, body language. Who who has body language on the bench? I want to learn about my team so that we can go back to the drawing board in September when school starts and we can start preparing to be great come season time. The NCAA allows uh, basketball programs to take a summer tour like this every four years. I think Costa Rica was the last four years one, ago. One four years 2018. ago. 2018. That the Bulldogs went on. So this will be good. I mean, plus they learn a little bit about a new culture. You will be in Puerto Rico. How many times have you been to Puerto Rico? Never. Okay. Never been to Puerto Rico. You got to go to Port. It's it's five flags over Puerto Rico. They're lacking, but you'll you'll love it. Before we wrap this up, um, our best to Ryan and Jamaica for one thing. Appreciate Look forward that. to yes, uh, seeing them root for you across the street. A couple of your coaches, just I was going to mention before we close, Sonny Cumbie, who you know from mm-hmm. Red Raider Land. You mentioned how kids 
it's easy to bolt now. He's a great example, is he not, of a guy who stayed the course. He walked on and played behind people, and then as a senior, he was the man. It's no – it's not rocket science that he's a head coach at a university like this. Mm-hmm. Do you use guys like him as examples oh, when you, you do. see a guy getting itchy feet and kind of maybe wanting to wander off? You do, and, and you tell them, like, in life you're not going to be able to run from things. At the end of the day, you get to make it what you want to make it. Um, and that's, a, that's something that's kind of cliche. You kind of control your own destiny, but you really do. And the things that you do that you tough through teach you lessons. It might not be the lesson you want in that particular area mm-hmm. or field, but it might be a lesson that takes you into marriage or a lesson that takes you into fatherhood or a lesson that takes you into providing for your family uh, because things happen in life and you don't get the bolts in life. I think the dumbest thing I ever said in life was I'm ready to be grown. Mm. And and if I'd known what it been to be 11 years old and run around the sun with my mm-hmm. shoes off forever, I would have took it. <laughs> but I didn't know. And and once bills started, once life started, it never stops. And so the the lessons that you learn from those things are great. And um, and to say about him, I, I'll say this: like we talk about the the guys on the team, and I, I think I put a really good staff together. Um, and it, it, I'm not going to be the genius behind it. I think when you put yourself around good people. Uh, it's evident that they're the people you want to go to war with. Uh, we talk about the guys and how great they are, but Tim McGraw was the first guy that hired me. Um, he won four national championships, and people say, well, is it JUCO? Winning a national championship in anything It's is hard. hard. To Winning win a games. state championship is hard in high school. Winning a, a, a middle school district game is hard. It's just hard. And he won four, and I brought him on to to help me uh, uh, transition to that head coaching seat. And then Aaron Smith, I mentioned him earlier. He played for me, and I saw his growth as an individual and worked his way into being a head coach. And Darshawn McClellan was with me at Texas Tech. And I'll be honest, like when you see guys that have that it, you know. Uh, and I had a chance to bring anybody, and I saw him, and I was like, no, 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 I got to have him with me. And I kind of had to beg him. I was like, hey, look, I know you're in the Big 12, but come with me, we'll start something mm. special. And then Winston Hines, I had the benefit to being here when he was at Grandma State University. And I started in the SWAC. My first Division One job was Peruvian M University. Mm-hmm. And all it took was somebody to believe in me and that I could coach at this level. Um, and I think I, I've done a good job of making guys before me proud. Um, and I've worked for national championship coaches, not only Coach McGraw, Coach Terry Waldrop at Texas Western University, who now lives in Monroe. Um, then I worked for Kelvin Sampson and then Mark Adams, who won a JUCO national championship. And I can go on and on about the guys that I work for that have molded me to be the person I am and the coach I am and the things I've learned. I feel like they 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 put the fire to me and, and sharpened me as a blade um, uh, to make me. So I just want to make them proud and know that their work, all their work that they put in me and the things that they put in me were, were appreciated and understood. And then I, I want to say that I got a good group with me. Um, um, even down to Brooke Reed and Dave Nedbalik and Austin Joyner, um, who are the, kind of the support staff of this thing. Um, they're some of the best, and I hope that we can create something special here. So We do, too. We're going to be uh, rooting, and if, if – uh, I mean, it's not going to be from lack of trying. Lane Burroughs is a great example. Your baseball coach, I hope you get to spend a lot of time with him. He's the guy who had a job for about three days with a trucking company. He said, that's it. <laughs> He t- said, y'all come get me, and uh, started coaching for nothing, yep. uh, just as you did. So, 0203, your first year where you got a little bit of change for coaching, it brings us to now and uh, 20 years later, and best 
best wishes to you. We'll be rooting hard. Anything else you want to say to the Dunkin' Dog fans out there before we wrap it up? You know, I, I'll tell a story, and I hope it touches somebody in a certain way. Like, you talked about your pastor, and I said in my press conference, I heard Tony Evans, my pastor at the time, speak on um, um, passions. And I, that's why I was trying to find out what I was passionate about. That's how young men came up, uh, helping young men, because I wanted to know what I was passionate about. Basketball was like the vehicle. It's kind of what I was good at. But when I took a job for Coach McGraw, like you said, I didn't make anything. I didn't make a dime. And for for – Months on end, I would take my mom to work. I didn't have a car. And then after I took her to work, I took her to work so that when I finished some classes I was taking at home, I could drive to practice with him in the afternoon. But I would have to rush from practice to pick my mom back up. And we didn't have much. So I, I called him one day. I said, after about four months of working, when I said, Coach, I can't make it today. I want to let you know that I don't have enough gas to get to drop my mom off and then to make it back to pick her up. And he said, how much gas you got? You got enough to get here? I said, yes, I do. And uh, I got there, and he said, son, I know you're serious about coaching. And he gave me this a long time ago now. $5 almost filled my tank up. He gave me $5. That was back um, in the day. Yeah, it was back in the day. So <laughs> then a day later, we were off from practice, maybe after the season, and we were off from practice. And I get a call from this guy named Terry Waldrop, who I mentioned at Texas Western University. He says, Talvin, I got a position open. I want to talk to you about it. I'm excited. So I get off the phone. I call Coach McGraw. I say, Coach McGraw, I just got a call. He said, I know, son. He said, you'll be great. Just tell him you're going, you want to learn. You want to be willing to learn. You do whatever it takes to learn from him, and you'll be great. So I get in there, and I'm like a, a – it's like a, a – the Coach McGraw was a ventriloquist, and I'm the big <laughs> dummy. He said, Coach, why you want to call? I said, I just want to learn, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so he's a, he's a, his first words to me, I ain't got time for you to learn now. I said, well, I'm still willing to learn, coach. And so he says, look at this. I only got $10,000. That's all I got. I understand that you're probably hoping for more money. And at the end of the whole spill, it's kind of like you said, you got anything else to say? And I said, I got something else to say. And I saw his look on it. Coach Waldrop's face drop like, I just told him I only got $10,000. I said, Coach Waldrop, can you spread that over 12 months and not 10? And he started smiling. He said, you got the job. So my point was, I, I didn't let things get in the way of my passion and what I wanted to do. And and young people, old people, whatever it is, if you're out there and you're serious about something, be passionate about it and success will come. Um, if you give your best to everything, every school on that list, I tried to give my best to and I didn't look forward to moving. I went to Texas Tech not knowing that I'd be the head coach of Louisiana Tech. Just wanted to make Texas Tech great in any way that I could. And I ended up here. So I'm so blessed and I hope that story helps somebody else. That $887 a month was like a million to me. Uh, but the opportunity was even bigger. So. Oh, man, get paid for something you love to do. Love to it's do. It's hard to beat. Talvin Hester, everybody, we're going to be pulling for you. Appreciate the passion you bring to the program. Uh, go to LaTexSports.com, Bulldog fans, and go to the roster. Start clicking around and get to know these guys. Uh it's time to root for football right now, but Talon and the gang are going to be in the, in Thomas Assembly Center getting it worked out. They'll start in Puerto Rico next week. Hope that trip goes well for you, and uh, we'll see you in the gym this winter. That's it, and you'll see me out there rooting for all the other tech sports too. So, till next time, see ya. Thank you for listening to Beyond eighteen ninety four. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes. 
Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.